This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women and addiction. Welcome back to the Worth Recovery Podcast. I am Amy. I'm your host here. I'm a sex and love addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. And I have noticed recently, I mean, I've known this all the time, but you know how like 12-step communities kind of have their own language, right? Their own vocabulary. You learn different words and phrases that you probably never knew before. And you go and you go to your 12-step meetings and they talk about certain things. Well, the same thing is true with therapy, right? Like since I became a therapist, I've noticed that, well, actually, I mean, let's back up. Since I started therapy uh, way back, way back when, um, I've noticed that there's a lot of terms and vocabulary and words and descriptors and things that I use that maybe people who have never been to therapy have no idea what it means or have never heard of it before. And lately, particularly, I think the more I work as a therapist and a coach, the more the more I use these words all the time. And I've noticed recently people have been looking at me a little bit weird. Like, what does that mean? Um, and they give me kind of some questioning looks or they want me to define things all the time. So I thought I'd take a minute today and just define a word, um, a, a concept, I guess, that has come up a lot recently for me with clients or uh, with friends, and that concept is holding space. What does it mean to hold space for someone? And also, I'm going to challenge you, what does it mean to hold space for yourself? Uh, what does holding space actually mean? I had my own definition, but I wanted to make sure that what I thought was true for you know most people, I guess. So I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of researching and just kind of trying to find how do people define holding space. And so the simplest definition that I came up with that um, works for me and I think is true is that holding space is to be fully present and fully available to someone without judgment. So fully present and fully available to someone without judgment. That's the definition I'm going to use of holding space. If I hold space for someone, I'm fully available to them. I'm fully present with them and I'm not holding any judgment towards them. So what do each of those little concepts mean, right? What does it mean to be fully present? For me, I think that that's about having that this person has my full and undivided attention, right? That I am there with them um, and I'm, I'm not trying to rush them or hurry or I'm not, um, you know, thinking about what's going on next, uh, that I'm just fully present with them. Fully available is similar, but it has some extra concepts to it. I'm not preoccupied. Um, I'm not thinking of something else. I'm not thinking about how I'm going to respond. I'm just there listening to them. I'm not thinking ahead of what I should be saying next, but I'm just focusing and listening on what they're saying. I'm also not expecting anything in return. 
fully available means that I am not expecting anything in return for what I'm doing. It also means that I have to be aware of my own emotions and my reactions and not let them get in the way. Because if what they're saying is causing an emotional reaction in me to the point that I can't be present with them because I'm lost in this track of emotion or response that I'm having in my head, then I'm not really present and I'm not really available to them. So I have to be aware of my own emotions and reactions and not let them get in the way. Really, when you boil down fully present and fully available, it means intentionality. I have to be, I've intentionally set aside this time to be with this person and I'm being intentional about my responses. And then you have to add the piece without judgment, right? Which means that that person has to feel safe leaning into their vulnerability with you. Um, it also means that my own words, my body language, my facial expressions are all supportive and under my control and not judgy, right? I'm not being judgmental about what they're saying or what's going on with them. So kind of go back to that basic definition Holding space is to be fully present and available to someone without judgment. I don't know if that's ever happened for you. Has that ever happened for you? This is how I can tell if it happens for me is when someone holds space for me or for us, we usually leave the interaction feeling deeply seen. We feel seen, fully seen, like someone knows us. We feel deeply heard. Someone listened and understood us. They validated what we had to say um, and they validated our emotions. I usually leave those interactions feeling a deeper level of calmness, more settled. Um, Some might use the word safe or safer, but I just definitely feel calm and settled leaving those interactions. And this is the hallmark for me too, is I also feel less alone. I feel like someone is on my side. And I feel like they're going to be with me and support me and help me. So again, when someone holds space for me, I usually leave that interaction feeling deeply seen, deeply heard, calmer and settled, and I feel less alone. When was the last time that you've had that experience? That you felt like someone held some space for you? Maybe it was a therapist. Maybe it was a clergy member, a friend, a partner, a family member. But I want you to think about that. When was the last time you felt like someone held some space for you? You felt deeply seen. You felt heard. You felt calmer. You felt less alone. What did that do for you? For me, it always gives me more courage. Gives me more motivation. Who are the people in your life who can hold space for you? Do you have those people in your life? Not every interaction is going to be this way, nor does every interaction need to be this way. We can't go around just holding space all the time because maybe we don't need that. But you need to have people in your life who can hold space for you. There are regular times in life when we need this, when we're going through difficult experiences or challenges, or we're just having a difficult moment and we need someone to be there to hold that space for us. It needs to be happening pretty regularly for us. But I think even before it can happen for someone else, we need to be doing it regularly for ourselves. Can you hold space for yourself? 
If we go back to the definition, can you be fully present for yourself? Can you be fully available for yourself? And can you do those things without judgment? Can you hold space for you, for yourself? Fully present for yourself. This might look like, can you sit, can you sit in silence with no background noise, no distractions? Can you sit with yourself, your emotions, your body sensations, thoughts, things going on for you? Can you do that or are you constantly distracting yourself? Can, are you available for yourself? Can you be fully available for yourself? Do you have internal resources so you're not depleted so that you have nothing left for you? Maybe you're giving your resources away too much and you're not tending to yourself or your own emotions. Maybe you're tending to everyone else to the point where you're just depleted and all you can do is just be tired. But can you do any of these things without judgment for yourself? You don't tip over into shame or your dialogue in your head is not so negative um, and so loud that you can't have any empathy or compassion for yourself, right? The first thing we have to do if we're talking about holding space is be able to hold space for ourselves. Be fully present, fully available for ourselves without judgment. How do we know? How do we know if we're doing this for ourselves? I would say there's a couple things I thought of when I was thinking about this. How do I know if I'm holding space for myself? Um, I would say most of the time you need to know what you need and what you want. So if you know your needs and your wants and you're regularly feeling in touch with that, you're probably holding some good space for yourself. Um, I would say we also need to be aware of the incongruities in our lives. So where our actions and our words aren't aligning. If we're aware of those things, then we're probably holding some good space for ourselves. If we're aware of where our actions and words don't align, then we're holding some space for ourselves. That's a good level of self-awareness. I would say also on a regular basis, we feel connected to ourselves and our life. So we aren't constantly trying to escape or distract ourselves. You know, if I constantly have to have something going on in the background, if I constantly am playing a video game or a game on my phone, if I'm constantly doing something to distract myself, then I'm probably not holding good space in my life. One of the ways that we know that we hold good space is we feel connected to our life and we feel connected to who we are, to ourselves. And last, I think... Again, an indicator that we're holding some good space for ourselves is that at least weekly I'm doing something I love that makes me me, right? Makes me who I am, something that I love, something that I enjoy. And I'm doing that on a regular basis. I'm saying at least weekly to the point where I stay connected to myself. So these indicators can help us know if we are holding space for ourselves. Again, like if you most of the time you know what you want and you need you're aware of the incongruities in your life um, on a regular basis you feel connected to yourself in your own life and you're doing things regularly that you love that make you who you are these are just some indicators we can use to figure out if we're holding space for ourselves i wanted to give you some examples too right of how i hold space for myself um so some things Season theater tickets. Uh, I love to go to the theater. Um, and so I have season tickets just for me. 
nobody else goes with me. It's one of those things. Theater is a, is a, and music is a really big deal for me. And I usually like cry and blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't want to deal with it, but I love it. I didn't want to deal with other people making fun of me crying at all, nearly every play and musical that I go to. So I just bought my own ticket. Um, and I go every, almost every month I have a play to go to and I love it. And it's just something that, something to look forward to for myself. Um, sunroof and loud music drives. That's another thing for me. I, I've never owned a car without a sunroof. I won't ever own a car without a sunroof. And people make fun of me for that. But I love sunlight and sunshine and wind and loud music. And I have regularly scheduled times where I go on drives where I can drive with the sunroof open and have loud music going. Uh, before eating, I always ask myself what I want. Is this what I want? I, I might have brought food from home for lunch or something. and But I always ask, and I have to eat it anyway because that's what I have and I don't have time to go get something else. But I always ask myself, is this what I actually want? Sometimes the answer is no, and I eat it anyway. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, actually, I do want this. But being in touch with what I want is important. Uh, I regularly ask myself where my energy is going. Is it going too much to other people? Do I, is it getting siphoned off too much? Do I need to put it back into my own life? And I have kind of, it's actually in my calendar every couple weeks that I check in with myself. Am I getting enough of my own things done or is my energy going too much to other people? I regularly write. Writing is a big thing for me that helps me to stay in touch with who I am and what I want. And I have other things I do, like I take an annual trip to the beach because that's one of my important happy places. But there are things that I do that help me to stay and hold space for myself and, and help me to make sure that I'm present in my own life and that I'm available to myself with internal resources and that I'm not passing judgment on myself. So how has this changed or impacted me, the ability to do this? Because I'll tell you, this is a learned skill. This is not something that I came into recovery with. Um, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I had to learn each of these things. I had to learn how to be in touch with what I wanted and what I needed and differentiate those things. I had to learn to be aware of when I wasn't always being truthful or always being honest or what I was saying wasn't aligning with what I wanted to be happening in my life. I was one who could not sit with myself. Um, I always had to have music or something going on in the background. Silence just was not something that I could handle because then I'd have to sit with my own thoughts and my own thoughts were too negative and shameful and really um, terrible towards myself. And I didn't always do things that I love to do. I would always abandon myself and default to other people. And so... It's in recovery that I learned to start to hold space for myself. And it's had a huge impact on me. I have a huge, I have a much stronger sense of self. I know who I am. I know what I want. I know what I need. And I'm not afraid of those things. Um, I started talking to people about who I was. I started talking to people about what I like to do and what was important to me and what I wanted and what I needed. I, I learned to take up some space and to ex exist. Because prior to that, my life was mostly self-abandonment and I didn't want to take up space. And so learning to exist and learning to take up space was important. 
I got a much stronger sense of what's important to me and what I want to spend my life doing. I learned to say no more often from holding my own space. I learned to say, no, I can't do that because I need my energy for this. And I, I could never hold those type of boundaries before. Boundaries in general was just something that wasn't wasn't really working for me, um, but that I've learned to do because I've learned to hold space for myself. And I stopped feeling embarrassed about things. Like, I love my sunroof. I love loud music. I love the color orange. I love going to the theater. These are, I love being tall. These are all things that people have made fun of me for and I would get embarrassed about. And now I just embrace. I love math. I prime factor numbers when I'm trying to go to sleep at night. And it's, I love that about myself. And, and so I started to just really learn to love who I am and really be connected with who I am because I could learn to hold space for myself, that I could exist and I could have a space in this world. So my first question is, are you holding space for yourself? And what do you need to work on? Of all these indicators and all these things that I've talked about, what's something you need to work on? Think about that, write that down, take note of that. You need to be holding space for yourself. And then we need to talk about, do you have others in your life that can hold space for you? How do you know if they're holding space for you? Again, they need to be fully present. They need to be fully available. And they need to be able to do this without judgment. I would say the first people that held space for me in my life were my therapists. Um, for sure, my therapists. And then it was my sponsor and some of the women in my uh, recovery group. Um, and it's just kind of grown from there. Um, I don't think we need a lot of people to be able to do, to hold space for us. And sometimes we think that they are, and then we get burned and that's okay. We have to go through kind of a sorting process as we figure that out, but looking for people who can be fully present, fully available and without judgment. These are some of the indicators that I look for when I'm in conversation with someone, if they can hold space for me. One is they don't interrupt. Um, so they don't interrupt what I'm saying. They let me talk all the way to the end. And then they might have comments and thoughts, but they definitely don't interrupt me. Uh, they're curious about what I'm saying. So I might say something and they would ask questions. Oh man, that sounds hard. How did that make you feel? Or, oh, what happened next? Or, you know, they might circle back to a story that I was starting and then didn't finish or something. But they're curious and they keep track and they ask questions. They also don't try to fix me. They don't tell me the answers. They don't tell me what I should be doing. Um, they, nothing like that. It's just listening, validating, supporting. They also don't try to silver line it, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that Brene Brown video. She talks about silver lining it. And uh, she says, I think that's a verb, isn't it? <laughs> but basically they don't try to make it better, right? They don't say things like, well, you know, I had a miscarriage and they're like, oh, but at least, you know, you can get pregnant. That's a silver lining, right? Or my son is having trouble in school. And then they say, well, at least your daughter's a good student. Or my mom died. Well, at least you still have a dad, right? Like the silver lining aspect of things. Um, and that that's difficult because there is an aspect of trying to be encouraging, right? But also... We need to be sympathetic and empathetic and not try to silver line things. 
And especially if they can be non-judgmental. If they can do that without making faces. <laughs> um, I bring that up because I have a friend who just cannot keep her face straight. But uh, if they can do it without making faces, right? If they can do it without being judgmental of you in the way that they respond or the way that their body language is or the words that they use. Do you have people that can do this? I honestly think maybe if you have two people in your life that can do this for you, I think you're fortunate. I don't think that very we have a lot of people that can do this for us. Like I said, we don't need necessarily a lot of people, but we do need some. Maybe it's your therapist or a clergy, your friend, a partner, a sponsor, a family member. We need people in our lives that can hold space for us. These are the people that we want to talk to and we want to share things with. And like I said, I think we're very fortunate if we have two people that can do this with us. Uh, I have a friend, I just a quick, quick experience. Um, about, I don't know, three or four years ago, I had a cancer scare where I thought maybe there was a possibility that I had cancer. And I was really, really worried about it because I live alone. <laughs> I'm my own, you know, I'm my own income, right? And what if I couldn't work? What if I had to go through chemo? What if I couldn't take care of myself? What if I couldn't support myself um, as I go through treatment? And I was so upset and so worried about it. And I have, I have some family um, that would want to, but wouldn't always be a great situation for me to live with them or be with them for a variety of reasons. And I remember sitting down in with one of my friends and telling her the situation that there was a possibility that I had cancer. And then I remember saying like, I don't know what I would do if I have cancer and I can't support myself and I can't live on my own and I need people to take care of me. I don't, I don't know what I would do. And she said, you'd come live with me. And, and then she asked me more questions about it and talked to me about it and was able to hold that space for me of like, we can figure this out together. Like I'm here to support you through this. Now I didn't have cancer, but I'm confident that if I did, I could, I could live with her. And as she sat and listened to me talk about my fears and all the different things going on, she was so supportive as I went through that. Those are, we need people like that in our lives that can hold those difficult moments. So we need to be able to hold space for ourselves. We need to have people that can hold space for us. And then eventually we need to learn how to hold space for other people. Are you able to hold space for others in your life? Have you asked them if you if they feel like you are present or you are available to them or that you can do that and not be judgmental? I think it's hard. It's definitely, again, a learned skill. It's a learned skill how to hold space for someone, how to hold back your own emotion so that you can be present for theirs how to hold back your own judgment so that you can be present for their experience. I just have some ideas on how we learn to be a good um, space holder for other people. I think it has to start with really deep listening, listening to understand and listening without judgment. 
not listening to see what you're going to say next, right? Not even really listening to relate to them, but listening to what they're saying. I find that reflective listening is the most helpful here. After they kind of pause, you might say, I always say something like, wow, let me make sure I understand. And then I will kind of repeat or summarize back to them. Is this, is this what you're saying? Is this what you are struggling with? To make sure that I, they know that I know the story. I'm not just, you know, there and absent minded about it, but I'm listening to them and I'm hearing what they're saying. I always go with the idea of no opinions. So I don't, I resist the urge to insert myself or relate to them at all when I'm doing this because I don't want to take the focus off what they're saying or what they're doing. And so as they're talking, you know, I, I don't, I try really hard not to insert my own opinion about the situation um, or about the people that they're talking about. I love the idea of loving kindness. It's, um, you can read about it. It's a Buddhist philosophy, but they talk about sending and, um, sending positive and loving thoughts, right? So as I'm talking or as they're talking and I'm listening, I'm also just like trying to send positive and loving thoughts to the person, uh, and into the universe as well. Uh, you can do deep breathing to stay connected to yourself. This allows you to stay connected with them and with yourself and, if sometimes if the person gets too emotional, I might even say, and they can't talk, I might even say like, would it help to breathe together? Um, just because that deep breathing helps us to stay connected to ourselves. If, if they are struggling with emotion, I will often do deep breaths for myself just to stay present and not allow their emotion to distract me because I want to stay present to them. So that helps me to stay connected. Uh, definitely like we have to let go of the fix it mentality. So I call this no unsolicited advice unless they specifically ask me what, you know, what should I do or what do I want to do? And even then, if they ask me specifically, I will often go back and, you know, um, summarize what they've said so that I know, so that they know that I know what was said, but try to stay out of the fix it, the problem solving and a couple more, just really make sure that you believe them. A lot of times in our most vulnerable situations where we're telling some of the difficult things that happen to us and sometimes people can come off as non-believing. Are you sure that's what they meant? Right? When you say things like that, you're coming off as not believing this person. And so make sure that you believe them and believe in them. And last, I would say, like, it's really important that we're open to emotion. Holding space is about being vulnerable. And so we have to be open to the emotion of the other person and allow them to cry. Not, you know, don't get angry. Don't cry. You know, those types of things. Allow them to cry. Allow them to cry. Put your arm around them and say, yes, let's, let's feel together. Right? And allow them to have their own emotions while they're expressing that to you. These are all skills that you can learn. Listening, no opinions, loving kindness, deep breathing, um, no unsolicited advice, believing them, being open to their emotion. These are all skills that you can learn. You learn them first for yourself. You got to be open to your own emotions. You got to listen to yourself and your body. You have got to have less judgment for yourself. 
let going of the fix it, learning to breathe and stay connected. All of these things are things that you learn for yourself. You look at in other people that are holding space for you. And then you learn to apply that and hold space for other people. Last, I just want to quickly touch on what gets in the way. I think there's so many things that can get in the way of holding space for ourselves, for others. A lot of it's our own our own internal dialogues or monologues, I would say. Things that we say about ourselves. Our body reactions. Sometimes we can get sick thinking about what the person has gone through or what they're saying. Or we have our own internal anxiety or reactions that are happening that distract us from holding space. Definitely the wanting to give advice. That can be a big distractor and a big problem that gets in the way. Maybe your own past experiences or biases or triggers can also get in the way. Maybe it's just simply your own discomfort with what they're saying. Uh, maybe you don't agree with everything that they're saying. That doesn't matter. It's not about agreeing. It's about holding the space for them to have a place to talk. I also think our time and our schedule get in the way. I know this has been a big one for me that I've been working on is scheduling enough time with people to hold space as needed rather than be on a time schedule and be worried about getting to the next place. And I think our own energy, our own energy can get in the way. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we're not holding enough resources within ourselves for ourselves or let alone to give to others. All these things can get in the way of us really holding space, not just for ourselves, but for other people. But again, these are all things that we can work on, that we can change and we can get better at. Learning to hold space for ourselves, having people hold space for us, and then learning to hold space for other people is a really important skill if we want to stay connected. Because without this in our life, we are pretty lonely and we can live in isolation because we don't talk to people about what's going on. And sometimes that can turn into secrecy. Sometimes that turns into addiction. Sometimes that turns into struggle because we don't want other people to know. Maybe we've had bad experiences in the past where we've tried to share things and people have burnt us. Or maybe it was our family that we couldn't really share things with. All of that can be reasons why we don't hold space. And yet, without holding space, we can't really connect with other people. And remember, sex addiction, love addiction is an intimacy disorder. We need to learn to connect with other people. We need to be able to share our lives with someone because that is what a lot of what makes life fulfilling. So I hope today you can learn a little bit about holding space and practice that first for yourself. Are you holding space for yourself and then for others? I hope you found that helpful today. I know holding space can really change the way that we view ourselves as we start to support ourselves in a different way. So again, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter how far you think you've gone down the road of addiction, I hope you remember that you're worth recovery. You're 100% worth it. You're worth the effort, the expense, the time, and you're worth holding space for. You're worth that. If you don't believe that, you can rely on my knowledge and my belief until you get there. Remember that I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. Thank you.
legal stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.